Well, all good things have to come to an end, and today we're concluding our message series, Jumping Hurdles. And uh, I've learned a lot personally from looking at the stories of how God has worked in people's lives down through history as, as we look at God's Word. Uh, hurdles are often difficulties that God allows into our lives to test us and strengthen us. But hurdles can also be challenges to follow God in a new way. Challenges to follow God in a way that we've never walked before. Doing something that we've never done before can sometimes be difficult. It can be seen as a hurdle. And God's Word challenges each of us to grow in God by growing in our obedience. John 14, 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so, the whole of the Bible, God's Word, is really Jesus' love letter to us. It's His commandments to us. And God's commands to us are challenges. They're not all easy to follow. They're not all easy to obey. They're, they're hurdles that must be obeyed to receive God's blessing. But God wants to help us to do that. In today's message, I've entitled Dynamic Duo. We're going to see how God used a fairly unknown couple. I mean, they're not headliners anywhere. You might recognize the names when we talk about them, but use this fairly unknown couple to do great things for the kingdom of God. We're going to see how God used them in ministry and in service in different ways, in ways that they weren't used to being used. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And so the Bible teaches us that each believer has gifts from God, Gifts that God has given to us. And these gifts are to be used to serve others, both within the church and outside of the church. And as we serve, we are good stewards. We make use of the things that God has given to us for his glory. We use the gifts that God has given to us to minister to people in, a, in ways that are appropriate for our gifting. God's word teaches that we're all different. We all have different gifts. We can't, everybody can't do the same things. Uh, there's many things we all can do, but we have special giftings in different areas. And that's true whether you're young, or whether you're middle-aged or older, God has given you gifts to serve him with. Now sometimes we don't even realize the gifts that we have because we've never used them. We've never put them into practice. And how do we discover the gifts that we have? Well, we discover the gifts that we have when there are needs around us. Needs around us and people we know, uh, people in our neighborhood, people at work, people at church. We're aware of a need. It's an opportunity. An opportunity to use our gifting to serve, to meet the need. And as we use the gifts that God has given to us to meet needs, we discover the things that God has gifted us in the things that we're good at, the things that we have take pleasure in doing, and we grow in those gifts and develop them to become more effective. And so today we're going to learn how to jump this hurdle of getting involved in ministry in, in new ways. Oftentimes this hurdle is simply a thought like, I've never done that before, and I don't know how to do this. And that's a hurdle. 
But that's true of everything new that God calls us to do in our lives, isn't it? You might not know if you have the gift to serve in a certain capacity or not, but usually if God brings a need to your attention, brings a need into your life, then he wants you to do something about it. He wants you to meet that need. Maybe you can't meet the whole need, but you can meet some part of that need. God desires for each of us to discover the blessings that he has for us as he uses us to serve others. So we're going to get into our story and, and talk about practicing hospitality ministry. The story begins in Acts chapter 18. It says, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And so our story begins with this, what we call the dynamic duo of Aquila and Priscilla, a married couple. They were believers of Jewish background, but they had come to believe in Christ. They were living in Rome, but the emperor didn't like the Jews, and he expelled all the Jews from Rome. And so they moved to the city of Corinth and set up their home in that city. Now, the great apostle Paul came in his travels to that same city, to Corinth, where he met Aquila and Priscilla. It goes on in verse 2, it says, And he went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. So now we begin to see some interesting details about this dynamic couple. They were tent makers. Now, tent making was much more important back then than today. It wasn't a recreational thing. It was, it was something that travelers needed. There were not hotels. And so as you were traveling any distance, uh, you had to have a tent that you took with you and you pitched it at night and you slept in your tent. Now, Corinth was a, was a pretty big city of the time. There were many travelers coming there, and so they were looking for tents. And Priscilla and Aquila were tent makers. Now, Paul... The great apostle was also a tent maker. Now, I don't know how that all happened because he was a very learned man and he studied all kinds of books and all kinds of things, but he took up this trade of tent making to supplement, uh, to help him to meet his needs even as he ministered. Now, when he came to town, Aquila and Priscilla invited him to live in their home. And this is a wonderful opportunity, or a wonder, they seize the opportunity, a wonderful example of hospitality, opening their home to the Apostle Paul, showing the love of Christ by meeting his needs for a place to stay. It also says here that they work together as tent makers. It seems to me they put together an LLC and uh, began to make tents together and sell the tents working hand in hand. And so this couple sought to do all they could to enhance the ministry of the great apostle Paul while he was there in Corinth. Now Paul ministered, we know, in Corinth for about a year and a half, all the while living with this couple, all the while working together in this tent-making business, as well as doing ministry. And even today, uh, missionaries and pastors who are bivocational are often referred to as tent makers. Uh, they do something to make an income to help uh, supply for their ministry, but particularly in countries where 
missionaries are not welcome. Uh, difficult areas. And so you can't come in and say, hey, I'm a, a missionary in many Muslim countries. Say, I'm a missionary. I'm going to win people to Jesus. Well, uh, you would not be able to get into the country. And so people come in and they have to have other things that they do. Uh, we supported a while back a missionary who opened a coffee shop in a, uh, a Muslim country. And that's what, that's what they did. They had an actual coffee shop that sold coffee. But in the coffee shop, they talked to people about Jesus. So they fulfilled uh, their missionary call as you know, coffee makers, another subset of tent makers. Paul writing in, in Romans chapter 12, he says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. I looked up what the word hospitality meant in the dictionary and it said, the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors and strangers. Uh, it's, hospitality is simply doing what you can do to meet the needs of others with the resources that God has given you. And this verse in Romans chapter 12 is a, a command to every believer to, to practice hospitality wherever there is a need. It's a form of serving uh, that honors God and shows his love to others. So how can we practice hospitality today? Well, uh, there's many ways to practice hospitality. In the church setting, one of the ways to practice hospitality is to uh, greet visitors, people that are newer to the church, and get to know them if you've been here for a while. Hospitality is also opening up your home, inviting other people over to spend time with, to have a meal with. Uh, that's a wonderful way to build relationships. Could be neighbors, could be co-workers, could be uh, people from the church. Showing Christ's love in tangible ways to other people. As we practice hospitality, God blesses us as we in turn bless other people. Secondly, we're going to learn from Priscilla and Aquila, or Aquila and Priscilla. It's, um, Aquila is the husband, about investing in discipleship ministry. Now, it's a very interesting account, which begins in verse 24. It says, now, um, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus though he knew only the baptism of John. And so Aquila and Priscilla became part of the Apostles Paul's traveling missionary team. When Paul left Corinth, they accompanied him to the city of Ephesus. And they worked together in Ephesus for some two and a half years. And so when Paul left, um, Paul eventually left Ephesus, and leaving Priscilla and Aquila there to continue to carry on the ministry. And while they were there, a new believer named Apollos came to the city. He was of Jewish background. He knew a lot of the Old Testament scriptures. He understood about how Jesus died for our sins. He resur was resurrected from the dead. But he only understood the a baptism of repentance that John the Baptist taught. And so we know from the next chapter in the book of Acts, that Apollos lacked an understanding of water baptism in Jesus' name. He lacked an understanding of baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so those were important teachings 
that Aquila and Priscilla had learned from the Apostle Paul. So, what happened next? Well, verse 26, And he, that's Apollos, began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. So this ministry couple, they heard Apollos preaching and teaching the people. They listened to him. And they soon became aware that his understanding of the scripture was lacking. Some of the things that he taught were good. And other things, uh, he didn't understand water baptism. He didn't understand spirit baptism. So did they shout him down in public? Did they cause a ruckus? No, they took him aside privately. And they explained to him God's truth more accurately. They wanted him to be used by God. They didn't just want to correct him. And Apollos, to his credit, accepted their counsel. He corrected his teaching, and he was, con he was continued to be used by the Lord greatly, especially in evangelism of the Jews, as we read on further. And so we see God using now Aquila and Priscilla to help disciple somebody and draw them closer to God and be used more effectively in the Lord's work. Now, discipleship ministry is something that we are all called to. Jesus said in Matthew 8, uh, 28, verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And so this is commonly called the Great Commission. And Jesus gave this to his disciples and to his disciples of all time, not only the twelve, but all the rest that were there and disciples of every age for all time. So what is involved in making disciples, discipleship making? Well, first of all, someone needs to believe in Jesus Christ. Secondly, Jesus talks here about being baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And finally, uh, and so, and then Jesus says, teaching them, and that's not enough, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So there's a whole lot of other things that summarizes all those things. So discipleship is a process. Uh, simply getting somebody saved is not a totality of making disciples. And so we see an example of discipleship in this account of Aquila and Priscilla helping Apollos to grow spiritually and become more effective for the Lord. So how can we be involved in discipleship ministry today? Well, part of growing spiritually, uh, part of what we can do for ourselves is simply listening to teaching uh, of God's Word. And we do that on Sunday mornings. That's one of the places that we do that. So if you know another believer uh, or people who are not believers or people who need to grow spiritually, inviting them to church on Sunday morning is a way to help them in their discipleship journey. Now, we also have a children's ministry that disciples children and helps them to become believers and walk with God. And there are always openings in children's ministry to help uh, teach the children every Sunday. Small groups are another way where we can be discipled and we can disciple others. Small groups are not just about what can I get out of it, but as you take part in a small group, you help others in the group to grow spiritually as well. And uh, we talked about this new startup study group on Sunday night at 6 p.m. and uh, we encourage 
those that are not involved in a small group, or if you are, you can show up too. Uh, we had a good group the last Sunday, and uh, we encourage you to consider that. Investing in discipleship ministry. And we're going to talk about kind of all the other church ministries, participating in church ministry. We're going to jump over to Romans chapter 16, where Paul again talks about Aquila and Priscilla. He says, greet Prisca, another kind of her, probably her uh, nickname, and Aquila, my fellow co-workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life. To whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. So in these verses, Paul refers to this dynamic couple as fellow co-workers in Christ Jesus. And not only did they work with Paul in ministry, we don't know exactly when, but he says they risked their necks for my life. Uh, there were times that Paul was persecuted uh, severely and in some way or another, they went out on a limb and rescued Paul or helped him uh, to uh, be saved. And so Paul commends them to the rest of the churches as well. Now in verse 5 he says, greet also the church in their house. Well, whose house was it? He's talking about Aquila and Priscilla's home. And so not only had they opened up their home to the Apostle Paul, now... They were opening up their home uh, for a small group to meet in their home. In fact, in those days, the meeting in homes was one of the main ways that churches met uh, because they didn't have many large buildings to meet in like we do today. And so the churches met in small groups in homes across the city, and they had opened up their home to have uh, a church group there as well. And so small group meetings in the home was an important part of the early church, and it's an important part uh, of our church experience today as well. When you're in a larger meeting, like a Sunday morning meeting, this is pretty much one-way communication. Uh, somebody teaches, and you listen. And that's good. I mean, Jesus did it. It's okay. Apostle Paul did it. It's okay. Uh, but small groups, you might have a leader but you are able to communicate, you're able to ask questions, you're able to dialogue in a way that doesn't happen in a larger group. So small groups generally are on the order of, you know, they can be from, well, two people is a small group, you and one other person, all the way up to generally about a dozen. You know, that's, a, that's what Jesus had, you know, about a dozen people in his small group. Beyond that, it gets a little, becomes a larger group and it becomes a little bit harder. And so that's also important in our discipleship and in being involved in church ministry. Now Paul writes in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. He says, and he, that is Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds or pastors, some translations have, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And so Paul in this, these verses lists five leadership roles in the church. Uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And all of those roles are still important in the church today and uh, still exist. And sometimes we're tempted to think that uh, these people, these leaders are the ones that do all the ministry and we just receive ministry from them. 
But what does this verse say about what is the role of these church leaders? It says their role is to equip the saints. Now, who are the saints? Now, Richard says he's a saint. How many agree with that? <laughs> Richard does. No, no, he's right. We are all saints. Uh, the Bible clearly teaches that every believer is a saint. And we could go through the verses that call believers uh, saints. Uh, it's not something you get voted on and you have to do a, a vetted miracle and you know, all this kind of stuff. Every believer is a, is a saint. And that's what he's saying, to equip the believers in the church for the work of ministry. That's the job of leaders, to encourage them. That's their ministry, but to do all the rest of the ministry uh, that is in the church. So each believer has a ministry. I already talked about it. God has gifted each and every one. Uh, this is taught multiple places in the New Testament. And we use our giftings to participate in the ministry of the church so that the church family the body of Christ is built up and it's strengthened. And so God calls every believer to participate in church ministry. So we already talked about two specific ministries, hospitality ministry, discipleship ministry, but there are many other ways that each one of us can serve. Sometimes people, I, I just can't do anything. You know, it's just prayer is a ministry that every believer can be involved in. Uh, Praying on your own for people in the church family, people outside the church family. Every believer can be involved in prayer ministry. We also have opportunities to pray together. Uh, this week we have prayer and praise group, the third Wednesday of every month. We come together, we pray. Um, if you're not comfortable praying in public, that's okay. Uh, you don't have to pray. Nobody's going to force you to pray. Uh, we come together. You can agree with the prayers of others. Uh, we also have Zoom prayer meetings on the other, most of the other Wednesdays that we participate in prayer as well. There are other ministry opportunities around our church facility. We have opportunities for people to uh, clean the church every week. And the more people that are involved, less often you have to clean the church. So uh, that's easier for everyone. I want to thank everyone again who helped out on work day that we had this last Saturday. We want to give a, a special shout out to Greg and Donovan who uh, power washed our playground equipment. Uh, and <clears throat> now, you know, that was an example of ministry. They saw there was a need. They, looked, they saw the playground equipment. Nobody, I didn't tell them. <laughs> I didn't tell them go, go power wash it. You know, I don't think anybody else did. They saw a need and they say, well, we have the gifting, or the equipment in this case, and the gifting to use the equipment to do the job. And they went and did the job. And uh, Mike is now volunteered to help stain because he stained the wood because he has the understanding and the gifting. And, and we'll give him a shout-out when that gets done, when the rain stops. Uh, he didn't do it because of the rain. He was going to do it this week, but God had other plans, right? And so you can't... Yeah, so... Uh, so as we all work together, as we do our part, then we are a blessing to other people and we receive blessing from God as we are a blessing to others. And so God desires for all of us to participate in church ministry in, in different ways. And so today we've looked at this, this brief accounts of this dynamic couple, Aquila and Priscilla. We kind of 
talked about all the times they're mentioned in Scripture, so they're not like uh, really well known, but yet they're in Scripture for a reason. Uh, they're examples to us. They were involved with Paul in ministry. Now Paul, he's all over the New Testament, right? But they were right with him, even though we don't read about them a lot. We saw the importance of practicing hospitality, inviting people into your home. You know, that's not, I would say, it's not done as much today as it used to, right? And so it makes it even more effective. It's like, oh, you invite me to your home to eat a meal or, or just over for coffee or, or whatever it may be. Important to do that. Uh, we discovered that God calls each of us to invest in discipleship ministry, uh, helping others to grow in the Lord. And there's many other ways to do that, uh, even unstructured ways of just meeting together with people and helping them to grow spiritually. And of course, there are many other needs that are around us, both in the church and people that we meet, needs in their lives where God wants to use us to meet that need. And so ministry is simply about having eyes to see needs not just in our lives. Those are the easy ones. And I need this, I need that. Those are the easy ones. But to see needs in other people's lives and say, God, how can I meet that need? What ways can you use me to meet that need? Now, it might simply be prayer. This person has a need, I'm going to pray for you. Or it might be something more tangible. I'm going to help you do this. Or I'm going to meet with you and we can talk about what you might be able to, there are all kinds of things. But look for a need, ask God to help you to meet that need, and that's what ministry is all about. And if you're not aware of any needs around you, if you're not aware of any needs in the church, ask God to show you the needs, to open your eyes, because there's needs all around us. And those needs are opportunities for God to use us to bless other people and to share the love of Christ. And as you bless others, God's going to bless you. It's Jesus himself that said it's more blessed to give than to receive. As you give, you will receive. In the giving, the blessing comes. Uh, so this morning, I want to give uh, an opportunity for everyone, whether listening online or here in the service, to become a follower of Jesus Christ. That's the most important decision that any person could ever make. To become a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to repent, turn away from your sin. Living life according to your own plan, turn away from that and believe in Jesus Christ. Believe that he died on the cross, that your sins might be forgiven, he rose from the dead, and commit your life to serving him as your Lord and Savior. So let's bow our heads right now, we're going to pray. If you've never prayed a prayer like this before, you'd like to recommit your life to Christ this morning, I encourage you to pray along with me. Say something like this. Father, today, I admit that I've done wrong things. I've sinned. I've been following my plan for my life and not yours. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. Please forgive me. Come into my life. I believe you rose from the dead. And I commit myself to following you and your plan for my life from this day forward. Let's also pray about God's word today. Father, we thank you for this example of this little known couple that you put in your word. 
Aquila and Priscilla. I know they're with you now, but they're a simple example of serving, of ministering in, in different ways. Stands out to us and is, as an example for us to follow you in the same way. God, help us to practice hospitality and ministry, to, to see the needs in other people's life, perhaps simply to have someone to talk to, to have someone to pray for them, to invite them into our home or out to have a coffee or what it may be. Help, help us to practice hospitality, to, to open up our lives to others. And help us, God, to also invest our lives in discipleship. Leading people to Christ, asking for opportunities to do that, and also helping those who are believers to grow, whether they're children or adults. Help us, God, to be more effective, to see the needs, to meet the needs with the giftings that you've given to us. We thank you for the church family. We thank you, God, for each and every person here that you've gifted in different ways. Lord, help us to discover the gifts that you put in our lives and use them to bless others. We thank you, God, for each and everyone who's already doing that, to help us to become more effective in using the gifts that you've given us, and even to learn about gifts we don't even realize that we had. As we see needs, and we ask you for the strength and the power to meet that need. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.